Welcome to the No Iron Writing Podcast. My name is Chris Lodwig, and I'm an independent author. My name is Christy Scheuer, and I'm a book coach. And we are here once again to dispel the myth that to create and be a creative person is to suffer alone in silence. I mean, we will suffer. <laughs> not silently. We're gonna... <laughs> not silently, no. <laughs> Everyone no. wishes we would suffer silently. We're not doing that. So today, I think what we, we wanted to talk about is just kind of the outlining process and we will try to make this about collaboration if we possibly can because that's kind of our shtick but if we can't we'll just talk about outlining and the the fact that we're talking about it makes it collaborative right like that is that going to be our cheat code now for anything yeah, like, so we we're did, talking about we it talked about it together Let's cats what are they collaboration <laughs> yeah we can well you know reality is is a, a communal experience. Anything that's that's true in our lives is technically collaborative, right? It's our cheat code. It is our cheat it's code. Our cheat code. It's okay right. to have that. But I will say, I, I think it's collaborative in a couple of ways. Okay, hit me. So, first of all, one of the reasons is because I did a bunch of outlining this week based mm -hmm. on our last conversation. So I wanted to talk a little bit about how that conversation got me to a different kind of outline that I haven't done before. Okay. So that's collaboration-based. Sure. And also, if you do decide to work with a developmental editor, then having a discussion about whether to do an outline and what your outlining process looks like is actually extremely helpful. So you and I, last week, we were talking about your your book and how you, you had gotten stuck. For those of you who didn't listen, you should go back and listen to it. I really enjoyed it. We were talking about outlining. And I'd given you some advice, some of which you took and some of which you didn't. And so I'm curious what you did and what you decided not to do and why. So I came from that conversation with a specific plan and I didn't follow the exact plan. But what I found is that it did help to unstick me mm -hmm. in a mm -hmm. lot of ways. And I kind of came up with a parallel plan or a parallel mode of continuing that was really helpful. So one of the really useful parts of our conversation for me is that I had told you that I had a fairly good sense of the internal arc of my character, the, where she began and kind of the arc of development that she went to and how she changed by the end. And so one of the very useful pieces of advice that you gave me is, okay, if you have a good sense for the internal arc, then spend some time mapping the external arc mm -hmm. to that. And so what I intended to do after we had that conversation was to make kind of a visual outline, mm -hmm. and that is to write down the internal arc and then to match it with the external, because that's kind of how I think of the movement in my head. What I did instead ended up being really useful, and I think it's a good kind of lesson in flexibility. We've talked about kind of writing to your brain and how your brain worked. I went into it intending to do what we had talked about and doing something very related, but also slightly different. And so what I did is I just wrote a stream of consciousness outline. So I set my timers and, you know, I like my timers, set some timers and basically just did a brain dump of cause and effect. Mm -hmm. And so I have two different points of view or actually a couple of different points of view in my novel. And so what I would do is I would say, okay, the main character did this and then this other point of view character is watching her and he reacts in this way and he does this slightly chaotic thing. And then she reacts back at him 
in this other way. And so it was very much a chain reaction outline. Mm -hmm. And it was extremely chatty. And so it was just me talking to myself in my interior voice and making notes about things I wanted to add, little points that might be helpful later on. And so I tried really hard not to think too much about minutiae versus larger points. Mm -hmm. I just kind of put everything that was in my head down on paper. And I made it to the end. It took me about three days. And so I would just make myself push forward every day because that was something that we talked about is just moving forward. And and so that was I was about an hour each day of writing in three days, and I made it kind of from you that an stop hour point. each day. Yeah, fantastic. That's really good. Yeah, and so that was also good just for stretching my ability to sit with my own thoughts and feel squirmy about it, which is something I also struggle with. Did you go out of town to do this, or where did you do this writing? I didn't. I did this at my house, mm-hmm. and then I did go out of town and do a little mini writing retreat to work on scene writing which is extremely hard for me to do in my everyday life. I think I'm training myself to do it. I think I'm getting better at it. But it's hard for me to absent myself enough from my own life to immerse myself in this other world when there's a lot going on. But I did find that the stream of consciousness writing, I I could do at home. I didn't make up stream of consciousness outlining by any means, but there was one, there's another great podcast called Writing Excuses, and it's, it's really wonderful. It's one of my favorite writing podcasts. They do something we can. They have panel discussions in 15 minutes. I don't know how they do this. But one of the one of the guys outlines and he says the way he does it is he writes like a, an ADD 10-year-old. And he's just like, and this happened, and this happened, mm-hmm. and this happened. And he's like, and all the interesting things come out of that process. And he uses his outlining technique. And it allows him to say the way a 10-year-old boy does where he was like, Oh, and then there's a dragon. Oh, did I tell you about the dragons? And he goes, and he tells the backstory of the dragons or whatever. But, you know, he's always going back and you can rearrange it as you need to. But just allowing yourself to be a a hyperactive 10-year-old boy for a little while when you're you're telling a story is really an actually great way to write forward. So it sounds like you were doing kind of something like that or... I think I was. I think the one thing I forced myself to do is to write kind of because of that style sentences. Mm -hmm. And so I really wanted to focus on my main character having quite a bit of agency and choice. Mm -hmm. So even in places where she feels really stuck and she doesn't really know what's going on, she doesn't have a lot of information, she doesn't have a lot of choice, I wanted to really emphasize her making conscious choices that then impacted the narrative. And so that was the one thing, in terms of the stream of consciousness, that was the one thing that I kind of held myself to, is making sure that I said, okay, she makes a decision. In some of the scenes, that decision is to listen to music on her earbuds rather than over the speaker. So a lot of them are very small decisions, but I wanted them to be really deliberate. Mm -hmm. And so I went into that with that idea, and that really helped me, I think, to push forward. And then the thing that was really fun is there was just a lot of characters misunderstanding each other. So there's a lot of escalation that came from misreadings and misunderstandings, which I think is really Mm. fun. And I think it's kind of how reality works or how relationships work a lot, where you read something as maybe a bigger deal or sending a different message than it really is. And then you escalate Mm -hmm. and then the other person escalates. So that part was really fun. I was writing one of the scenes, I think this morning in my book, where it's a, it's one of those scenes that's really fun to write. And it's also a misunderstanding scene where two people get up onto a stage to make a proclamation and everyone thinks that they're actors. And they're like, do something interesting. And they're like, we're not 
we're not actors. Like, it's this whole misunderstanding thing that's kind of fun. So, I agree. Misunderstanding is a, a really fun thing to play around with. So, two realities kind of missing each other, like like trains in the night. It's yes. Kind of fun. Well, you hope trains in the night miss each other. Well, you do. Hope if they that. don't miss each other, it's really bad. It's a different kind of story. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a train wreck. <laughs> Sorry, not funny. Train wrecks are not funny. Wish I mean, there were more trains. Train wrecks are not funny. We do wish there were more trains. Train wrecks aren't inherently funny. That is true. They're really sad and depressing. But the joke was funny. Because most jokes are tragic. Yes. That's what makes jokes jokes. Yes. If you're a terrible person. Like me. (laughs) Well, you you joke about things so that we don't dissolve into a puddle and never get up again. (laughs) All right. So back to outlining. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and I think this is an interesting and important point. I came in... I put on my expert voice. I gave you a lot of my opinions and you didn't follow them, which mm-hmm. is important in two ways. One is the writing to your mind thing that you said, but there's also is being somebody giving advice. You need to know that your job is to poke at things and not to be an expert that should be respected. If you get my point, like it would be very unuseful, useless, I guess is probably the word we'd want to use for that. Unuseful. It's a funner word. Go for it. And I endorse, as your editor, I endorse this Neelage. Get the skunk. Get the little, like, <laughs> endorsed by, by the Scheuer endorsed word. Yep. Unuseful. To, to get bent out of shape about the fact that somebody doesn't listen to you. It's like, that's not really the point. The point is to push somebody over over a hump that they're, that they're stuck on and move them forward. And a lot of times when, when you're giving me feedback, my reaction's like, I'll show her. Not really, but it's a, but it is, there's this sort of thing like, that's wrong, I'll do the other thing. And it doesn't mean that the, the information that your collaborators give you is bad. It means that they reframed it for you in a way that moved you forward. And I think that that's a really important thing. So, so that's, a, that's a massive success. So I think that's great. So, yeah, it so, felt. I mean, it felt very successful. And the interesting thing is, just to reframe that a little bit, it felt like I was listening, even though I did something entirely different. Yeah, no, absolutely. In the sense that, and I think you and I have talked about this, kind of the essence of coaching is clearing the way and allowing people to do their best work mm-hmm. and giving them some guidance on what that might look like. And so... Again, I went in intending to do one thing. I ended up with something else that actually worked really well for me. And so I think the lessons from that are that it's really good to talk to other people about your writing. I was really scared to do it. Like, that's not something I usually do. You mean that style of outlining is something don't usually do? Like No, is- talk, telling other people about my book is something I don't actually do. Oh, yeah. Because I'm much more comfortable being in the kind of teacher and editor role. And so that was, it was scary for me, but I was really useful, just the act of doing it. And then I liked all of your feedback a lot, and again, intended to follow it, but I think what I learned from that is two things. First of all, it's good to be flexible when you're writing, Mm -hmm. I'll say that. I think that if I had outlined the way I was intending to walking away from our conversation, it wouldn't have met my energy where it was. And it wouldn't have been what I needed in the moment. And what I needed was that kind of free writing mm-hmm. energy. And that second of all, that the process of coaching is sometimes different than the process of advice giving mm-hmm. in that you really want somebody to start coming up with their own solutions. And I felt like that conversation 
both illuminated some things to me about why I was stuck and also helped me to come up with some solutions that would work really well for where I am in the moment. I didn't tell you this at the time, but it's kind of funny that you should say that. So I took a class at work called The Coaching Habit. And, and the reason is because is I'm actually not a very good coach. I'm a pretty good advice giver and I'm a good problem solver, but I'm not the best coach. And this, this class teaches you a couple really great techniques. And literally what I did was while you're talking, I pulled up my six questions that I'm supposed to ask people when coaching and taking a step back. And I was looking at those while I did that just so I wouldn't do what I usually do, which is blather on and give a bunch of advice. And it was really interesting that... I don't want to call it the science of coaching, but that idea of how you can poke at people and draw them out through coaching techniques, I think it was was really interesting. Coaching is very hard to do. It involves shutting up, which is very difficult for me to do. So anyway, that was what I was doing. So interestingly, this isn't really a conversation about outlining, which is what you had said we wanted to talk about. And I don't think that's really what we're talking about. What we're talking about is we had a two-stage coaching session we had one where you were you were being forthcoming about the problems you were experiencing i did my best to be a coach instead of a a mentor and that is a different thing they're both great but they're different and and coach you through it and now you're talking about how that moved you forward and and how you you took that feedback and, and made it your own which is fantastic and great so i think it's really wonderful so yeah i think it was i think that was really effective And then I think also, I think you did a really nice job asking questions and sitting back. I think that because you and I have talked about writing for a while, and I think are pretty comfortable about it, is I don't think I found myself feeling very defensive very often, because I was kind of checking that during our conversation. Because again, I, I don't talk about my own writing process as often. And it was really nice to be able to have a conversation And to feel like I could take what was useful to me, that I didn't have to take everything, but that it felt like a gift to have somebody focus on something that I cared about. And so I really appreciated that. So I think it's also a testament to us having worked together for a while, as well as to you framing it really well. So I appreciate that from both angles. That's approximately 15 minutes in. Is there more you would like to say on this subject? That wasn't outlining. (laughs) That wasn't outlining. Well, I mean, I want to point out that coming up with a theme for the evening does not mean you need to stick with the theme. That's a good point. You got it. You got to be flexible. I do think. I mean, that is one of the things we talked. I think in one of our first podcasts about kind of the magic of writing, Mm -hmm. and it's the magic of conversation too. Actually, is very similar. And sometimes when I'm writing, it feels like chatting to myself in a conversation. It feels very associative and takes me in places I didn't know I was going. But it's the really fun thing about working with somebody is you're not quite sure where you're going to end up. Yeah. And that's what makes it cool. So I used to play in bands and things like that. And I don't anymore. And it's not because I don't like playing guitar. I do. I never really like to practice. I love to play with people. I'm not a jam guy. Like, I don't like, I'm not like in Fish or the Grateful Dead where I'm going to like jam for 25 minutes. You're not in the Grateful Dead. Not anymore. Okay. Played, this entire conversation was based on a lie. Yeah, but I, I really enjoy that sort of improvisational way of writing music. It's very collaborative, and that's kind of kind of how I cut my teeth in writing music. And when I don't have that, I don't really play music. Mm-hmm. It's, but And I've always described it as a conversation. It's like listening to the different people around you and what they're doing and filling in the holes that they leave or, or don't leave and 
It, it, I've always thought that was really fun. And that's one of my favorite things about conversation. I have a very high rate of speech and I love, love, love coming across people that can meet me there and mm-hmm. we can pile on. Being my cousin, I think that we have some of those same genetics and that's why it's so fun to talk to you. To reconnect this back to outlining a little bit, I do think that for both in music and writing, having a sense of structure, having an underlying sense of structure. Like key, chord yes, structure. Exactly. So, yeah. And there are genre expectations, there's storytelling expectations. We'll talk to my dad who thinks that the storytelling expectations that I tell him are, are untrue. So we'll have to have that conversation. I, I, I kind of feel like this whole podcast has been a, a teasing up of Someday. the Terry Scheuer Someday Has Concerns we'll... <laughs> podcast that eventually is going to come up. And what keeps happening is he just has more concerns. We just need to have him on more often. <laughs> we could do like has, volume volume has, six of Terry Scheuer Has, has Concerns. so many concerns. But there is, in both of those things, whether you're jamming, whether you're doing some stream of consciousness work, there is that sense of underlying structure. Mm. And so for me, kind of trying to be really serious with myself about cause and effect and also about my characters doing things that was in character for them, I kind of needed to do the work I've already done to get to that stream of consciousness place. I had to know my characters. I had to know enough about them to kind of know how they would act in a situation. And... Also, when it comes to looking at scenes and things like that, I, I do think that learning about structure and then kind of forgetting about it, mm. I think that's the dual nature of stream of consciousness writing is that you have to learn these things. And then I think because my eyesight's so bad, I always think about it as taking off my glasses. It's like I, I study and I learn and I figure this stuff out. And then I try to just put it in the back of my head when I'm actually writing. So... I do think that the rules and structure can be really helpful, but I also think that letting yourself go, especially when you've done a lot of that work, and letting yourself riff on things, letting surprises come in, that's really such a fun part. I mean, that's one of the most joyful parts of writing. And and I think it's the most joyful parts of reading, too. I think that in order to play with someone's expectations you need to know what someone's expectations are if you getting back to the music metaphor if you expect something if it ends on a a minor note and you expect it to then resolve to a major chord at the end and then you go to like a dominant seventh chord or something and and you're like oh that wasn't quite what i expected but it was really cool you need to know that they expected it to resolve to a major chord in order to do something amazing And I think that's probably true of writing, too. So getting back to all of this and maybe finding a way to resolve, what is your takeaway from the experience of of getting the feedback, going through trying to pay attention to the feedback? What would you like people out there in Radioland to know about that process? And I think I would like people to know that it is hard to be vulnerable about your own writing, but it's important. And if you're stuck, it's okay to talk to somebody about it, no matter how how difficult it is. And it wasn't difficult because of anything you did. It was difficult because that is my expectations for myself is that I'm only going to talk about things that I feel like I have some mastery in or knowledge of. And so to go into, I mean, not that we're not always bullshitting on this podcast, but to do it with my own work was felt like a lot. I think that I think that to me is like the major takeaway is like, if 
for the collaboration especially aspect of it, if you wait until it's done, yeah, how are you doing at getting it done? Especially if you find yourself spinning. You were spinning for, for a long time. I right? was spinning for a long time. And then you talked about it. And then within how many days, three days, you had the outline completed. Mm -hmm. There's a huge lesson in that. And I wish the lesson was that Chris Lodwig's brilliant. That would be a great lesson. Oh, I think that was a lesson. That's what I was going to say. That was absolutely the only message I wanted to send to everyone. Just just, just (laughs) get that right out there. It's Mm -hmm. Lodwig's super genius. But yeah, yeah, I I think that that is, don't, don't wait until you're ready to ball something up and throw it in the corner. You don't want to do that. You, You want to talk to somebody about it. And then listen to them and then ignore them. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that is a takeaway. Listen <laughs> and ignore. It's a takeaway. <laughs> no, I mean, I think be a good listener. Be responsive. And I and I feel like I was. I took notes. I took. I listened to our podcast and I took notes. It was actually really useful to have you? it recorded. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, it, I, it, was, it was actually really useful. So I, I think listening, being responsive, and also being open and then also being flexible to your own process. So if you find something that works, just lean into that. And when it comes to structure, it's great to know structure. It's great to talk about structure. But then at some point, it's also good to kind of let go and let your brain do some of the work that it's been kind of trying to do all along. Yeah. So. Yeah. As you're talking about your process and you with the Capital Y, because capital U, because that's how I spell capital Y. Mm-hmm. I personally find it very helpful to not have a process. Like I go through processes. Yes. I have quite a few of them. But on any given day, I will literally do a very different thing. And getting away from that idea that I have this way that I do it, that way is not going to work every day. And you need to say... I know I'm an outliner. Don't be an outliner. Do, do different things. Try different things. And don't think once you find that thing that that is now your new thing. That worked on Tuesday. And that's not only perfectly fine, that's probably insightful. Try different things and 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 loop through them. It's like have a, dip, a toolbox of ways to move yourself forward and you will make better progress. Absolutely. So. And you'll learn each each time you use a tool, you'll learn more about it. Mm-hmm. And you will loop back to something. If something was useful to you, you'll come back to it. But I also think focusing on process rather than identity, which is why I think kind of that panthers versus plotters thing is such a false binary, mm-hmm. not only because it's a binary, but because it's a sense that if you identify as a plotter, I am this way. I am this way. It becomes an identity. It becomes calcified, and it's not really serving you anymore. Yeah. Agreed. But if you, you know, if on one day you write a scene and the next day you do some outlining, that's great. Yeah, and we'll talk about that at some point. No, yeah. like the next, like yeah. I think there, you're going to beat up on me a little bit about my book in our our next podcast. So. Oh, I look forward to it. All right. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to say, Christy? I don't think so. All right, we good? I think we're good. All right. Thank you once again for listening to the No Eye in Writing podcast. I'm Christy. And I'm Chris. And we will do all of our shout outs in our liner notes. Any references we did will be in our liner notes. And of course, if you would like to contact us for any reason at all, our contact information will be in the liner notes. So thank you very much and goodbye.